the task of introducing our new series, and our new series, as Phil said, is looking at the character of God. We worship an awesome God, and, you know, we're all on this continual walk of discovery, this journey as we lean into him, learn about him, and respond to him. And, you know, our prayer when we were planning this series that is that it would help us all to move deeper into that from whatever starting place we're at that we would move deeper and as a consequence of moving deeper we would be more fruitful in whatever area it is that God is calling you to be fruitful in and I seriously absolutely believe that there isn't a single person in this room who God is not calling into a season of fruitfulness that is what he is doing. We are moving into a season of fruitfulness and we need to be open to discern because it's going to be different for each one of us what that looks like and where, where our harvest hood is and what he wants us to do next. Um, I don't know if you've ever played, I've got, I've got a new controller as well, played with the uh, photo function on your phone, okay, the ones where they sort of, um, oh, is it on? Oh, we can have those on. <laughs> I know, my husband will go mad, stop pressing the button, it doesn't help. <laughs> Um, do you recognize this gorgeous young man? Um, that's my son. <laughs> Yours truly? Looking my best. <laughs> my hubby. And the only other person who responded to my request bravely. <laughs> the thing is, what these things do is they take what's actually there and exaggerate a part of it, don't they? I mean... Uh, it used to be cartoons. I like that one. Okay. And, and when you was on holiday, you used to get things like this. Like, this was Nick and I a very long time ago. Okay. And I can remember was the guy kept doing this. He didn't speak English to make us smile because that's the bit he was exaggerating. Point of that is that it's really important as worshippers and followers of God that we worship the God who actually is and not a distorted version of him that suits us. If I was to ask you to call out what God's like, call out some things for me. What's God like? Holy, loving, good. Kind, majestic, faithful, provider, patient, and we could go on and on and on. And that is the point to clarify that we are not pretending that we are going to cover every aspect of God's character in this series. It would be impossible. Yeah, so don't think, oh, they haven't talked about this. No, we're not going to talk about everything. 
what we are going to do is base ourselves in that beautiful scripture in Exodus 34, 6 to 7. Okay, where God reveals his glory to Moses by describing himself. And it's those characteristics that God shares that we're going to use for the rest of the series to try and unpack and explore. I'm just going to, a little context, very quick, potted history. So God has rescued the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. And under Moses' leadership, they've been led through the wilderness. Okay, and they're on a journey. Moses is called by God eventually up the mountain to receive the commandments. Now, I personally think the commandments are an act of grace. They, they were showing them how actually to live well as God's people. You know, this is a loving God. He wasn't leaving them to try and suss it out for themselves. But while he was up there, they got bored. And they ended up making idols and worshipping idols. So Moses is up on the mountain meeting face to face with God. And the people are worshipping golden objects that they just made out of their jewellery. They were unfaithful and God deals with that unfaithfulness. But eventually he calls Moses back up the mountain. Because this is our God. He's prepared to do it again. To write on those stones again. And while he's up, and Moses has said to God, Lord, if you want me to lead these people, you've got to give me something. And what he asks is to see God's glory. And God says yes. man up a mountain on behalf of the people that have just completely turned their back on him. But God says yes. I just want to pray, Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to receive from you something of your glory today? Would you enable us to know you better? In Jesus' name. <coughs> so this is our scripture. That he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. And he punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. It's an amazing portion of scripture. It's both mind-blowingly wonderful and slightly scary. In reality, we don't want to miss off the scary bits. We don't want to miss worshipping the God that also makes us feel really uncomfortable. But somebody else will unpack that for you. 
You know, this passage is actually a series of epithets. Yeah. So throughout history, leaders have had epithets. Ethelred, the unready. Mark, the mad. William, the conqueror. Alexander, the great. Yet leaders have these epithets which talked about the character or what that leader was famous for. And what we've got going on here is God giving his own epithet. God, the compassionate. I'm not going to rush through them. God, the compassionate. God, the gracious. God, the one who's slow to anger. God, the one who is abounding in love. God, the faithful. God, the forgiver. And God, the just. Whatever we are going through, our God is the God for that. That's what these epithets tell us. He is the God for that situation. This God whom we serve and worship is amazing. When we read this list, it, it's so wonderful, but it's, it's easy to miss the first part. And the first part is this. The Lord, the Lord. Now, if you're new to this, you might wonder why it's in capitals. And if you're old at this, you probably don't even notice anymore. gets swamped by what comes afterwards. But actually, too important for us to rush past. This is how God announced himself. He had already stood before Moses and said his name. And then when he described himself, he described himself as the Lord, the Lord, who has done all these things. Whenever we see it written in this way. The author is referring to God's personal name. The one revealed to Moses at the burning bush. Yahweh or Yahweh or Jehovah. This is God's personal name. The name that invites intimacy and relationship. Scholars interpret it in different ways. There's some who believe it's actually from the Arabic and it's about passion and love. But the most commonly accepted is that it is he who will be, is, and has been. Or 
he who is, or he brings into existence whatever exists, or simply, I am. But those names all overlap. They all paint a picture of this God we serve. He who brings into existence whatever exists, that's our God. He who will be and is and has been, one that doesn't change, that's our God. The one who only has to say, I am. I am. That's our God. And yet we have many names for him that we use. Almighty God, Father, Lord of hosts, but none sum him up as the name that he used of himself, Yahweh. I am. You know, in the Bible, God's referred to by over about a thousand different names. But this one out of everything was considered extra special by Israel. Eventually, it was only ever used in the temple by the priests worshipping. It was like it was considered so holy that they wouldn't dare use it at any other time. And then when the temple was destroyed, the name wasn't used. And in fact, they thought it was too holy to even write. And so they swapped it for other names. Adonai, Lord. But to distinguish when they're using Adonai instead of Yahweh, they write it in capital letters. So whenever in the scriptures you read Lord in capital letters, it's Yahweh. It's the personal name of God, the one that invites intimacy and relationship. We don't want to lose it. You know, all those other names, God, Elohim, Adonai, Lord, they're all generic. They can all be used in lots of different circumstances for lots of different deities or rulers. But there's only one name that is explicitly Nance, that's great, really interesting. Does it matter? Well, yes, I think it really does matter. I would buy it. You know, names in scripture are important. Yet they bring meaning and they bring revelation. Abraham's name was turned to Abraham to be the father of many. Eve means living, Jesus means saviour. Names carry weight and carry meaning. So when Yahweh identified himself, what was he telling us? What is it that is carried in that name that makes it so special? I am who I am tells us that he is 
self-existent and eternal. God has no need of you or I. It is a humbling thing to just accept. So often our worth is caught up in our need or our role or Yahweh has no need of me. Yahweh can accomplish whatever he wants. I, on the other hand, am completely and utterly dependent on him. He alone is self-sufficient. Hold on to that thought. Lewis, also, when you read through scriptures, you start to realize that this name is only used by authors when they're talking about God in relationship with his covenant people. When he's talking, when they're talking about creation, so this is um, Psalm 19. It starts off, the whole first part of verse 19 talks about a description of God's world, the physical world. And the word there used is Elohim, God. And we get the heavens declare the glory of God. Then after verse 7, it changes, but you never notice, to Lord in capital letters. Because it starts talking about God and his people. Because Yahweh is personal and relational. And carries with it this Arabic, no, it's Arabic meaning, goes back to it being Midian. Lots of scholars think the chances were that it was, you know, proto-Arabic name. It's passionate, awesome God. It's a personal name for you and I and all of God's covenant people to use. So when we read this passage and it begins with, Lord, Lord, it's instantly this invite into God's presence. Yahweh, Yahweh. Yahweh is gracious. Yahweh is compassionate. Yahweh is faithful. Yahweh is slow to anger. wants us to know him as this intensely awesome, loving, personal God, whilst remembering that he is self-sufficient and completely other in every way. You know, God may not need us, but he wants us with a passion. He wants us to know him. In a world of shifting sands, to be able to worship Yahweh, I am who I am, our God who remains constant always, whose nature and character don't change depending on what's going on in the world around us or whatever the latest trend is. To worship that God is a comfort. Yahweh has been who he is for eternity. And he, who has always been the standard for absolute perfection and holiness, wants you. 
and want more. We are free to choose. We can choose him and his ways or we can choose to not follow him. What we can't do is conjure up some middle ground, some third option, a fabricated model of God who makes less demands on our lives. He is wholly other than us. We cannot mold him into a shape that suits us. His role is not as our servant. He is infinitely and completely other than you and I. And we can only know what he reveals to us through his word, through his spirit, and through the model of Jesus. If we begin to imply either by our thoughts or our actions that he is like us, we are getting it seriously wrong. Psalm 50 says this. These things you have done and I have been silent. You thought I was one like yourself. But now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Our God isn't like us. Praise the Lord indeed. You know, I'm completely humbled by how deeply he chooses to relate to us, how good he is at loving me, at talking to me, at comforting me, at encouraging me, at building me up, at correcting me and disciplining me. How far he goes to relate to us, even to the cross, to enable us, you and I, have relationship with him. Let's not miss out on that. I'm going to keep repeating myself, but it is on purpose. This is our holy, awesome, self-sufficient God who is nothing like us. Even though we're created in his image, and yet he allows us to know him and allows us to use his personal, unique name. And in doing so, he invites you into intimacy with him. To trust him, to trust in him, because he is the ultimate promise keeper. He will never stop wanting you. He will never abandon you. He will never turn his face away from you. Let's be honest, he is a mystery. We can't and will not in this lifetime ever be able to say we know God. Not fully. Even after a lifelong journey of discovery, there will be more to learn. We'll never reach the end of it, and what a relief that is. I don't want to worship a God who I can comprehend. I look at the world and I don't understand it. I don't want to worship a God who's limited to that. I want to worship a God who I can go, I don't get it, Lord. Thank heavens you do. Thank heavens your ways aren't the same as mine. Thank heavens you're not like me.
次祷告，再次祷告，发布呀！但是，嗯，今天的 computer， every time you think you've got a picture, God widens the window, doesn't he? And you say, Oh my gosh, there's so much more. And then he widens the window again, and you go, Oh, and he widens the window again. Remember those character stories that I begin with. Let's not be people that distort God's image, His character, to suit our perceived needs or our fears. Let's not say, "Oh, I love the forgiving God, but I can do without the just one." We need to worship the God who is, was, and will be the one who doesn't change. You know, as we go through this series, let us be open to God refreshing our understanding of His character. Let's be humble. Let's say, God, is it time to widen the window? Let's not think, oh. Got this. Guarantee you, you haven't. Guarantee you haven't. There's always more. You know, no matter how long you've known him, let's be a people that continue to seek him day by day, to worship him day by day. To not stop, to not pause, to not put down our tools and make camp and go. That's enough. I'm a bit tired now. It's okay. It's okay to pause. It's okay to drink out of the river. But when we get up and we go again. There is a world out there that is broken and hurting. We have families that are broken and hurting. We have friends. We have work colleagues, and they need to know Yahweh. They need that rock. They need to know that they're wanted, accepted, loved. Chosen, called. No matter what they're doing, no matter what they're into, doesn't matter. Because Yahweh is enough. He's enough for you. He's enough for me, and he's enough for them.